If a garment is actually fully 100% sustainable, it would have to meet all of the required ethical and environmental standards and the preferred way of production in every single stage from when the crop is grown to the product being sold and shipped to your house. And unfortunately right now it's like one brand alone can't just stand up and be like, I'm 100% sustainable. We need a collective shift. Hello everyone, I'm going to dig right into this episode. I think this one's going to be quite a long one by what I've prepared to talk about. Um, In this episode, we're talking about what makes a garment actually sustainable or what makes clothing actually sustainable. And because that question is very loaded, (laughs) it is a very loaded question, there are so many moving parts involved in what makes a garment actually sustainable. So we're gonna talk about every part of production that I can think of. Then we're also going to talk about preferred materials and we're going to go through some material certifications um, to think about as well. So definitely grab a warm cup of coffee and maybe even a notebook and a pen. Uh, So with that, let's get right into it. So we're starting with production and the first thing I want to talk about is human rights and providing a living wage. So over 60 million people work in the fashion industry today and unfortunately most of them are currently having their basic human rights stripped and violated as we speak. A lot of garment workers, if not most, work 14 to 16 hour days and get paid as little as 50 cents per hour. Most of them also work a minimum of six days a week, if not seven. So literally constantly working, get no days off, and also suffer an unspeakable amount of workers' rights violations while they're working. Some of these can be that there are no running water in their factories, Um, doors and exits are bolted shut, and a lot of them, unfortunately, um, trigger warning, get either physically assaulted or raped during working hours. So as you can imagine, these are completely unethical and inexplicably horrible ways to work. And for clothing to be made ethically from a labor standpoint. And I just mean physical manual labor. I'm not talking about chemical pollution, which I will get into next. Um, But just from a manual labor standpoint, make sure that you're partnering with suppliers that support a living wage who have factory audits often and partner with organizations like the Fair Wear Foundation, which is an independent nonprofit organization that works to improve conditions for workers in garment factories. So that's how you can make a garment sustainable from a worker's rights or a human rights standpoint. The next part I want to talk about is chemical usage. It is estimated that over 8,000 synthetic chemicals are used in the manufacturing process in fashion, many of which are carcinogenic and have hormone disruptors. These chemicals aren't hard to get into your system either. Most of them can be inhaled or even absorbed by touch. So every worker without gloves or a gas mask, which are most of them, run the risk of getting cancer or other harmful health issues. So here are some specific chemicals that are used to make fashion 
that you should be looking out for. The first one is azo dyes. Um, by the way, I will link everything I'm talking about in the show notes of this episode. So what are azo dyes? These dyes are extremely toxic and are found to be carcinogenic. And governments like Australia have even considered banning certain kinds of them. The second one is formaldehyde and phosphates. So formaldehyde is a known respiratory and skin irritant that sometimes is used to make clothes wrinkle resistant. Phosphates are endocrine disruptors that have been used to make fashion that incorporates plastic like shoes and gloves. So typically fabrics and materials that have waterproof coatings are stain resistant, wrinkle resistant, or have any of those special features are typically made with um, chemicals and dyes that are either carcinogenic or with radioactive metals. So from a sustainable chemical usage, if you are dyeing your clothes, you want to go with suppliers who have fruit-based or vegetable-based dyes instead, which are non-toxic and safe to use on the skin. So the third part of production I want to talk about is water usage. So it is estimated that 70% of Asia's rivers and lakes are contaminated by the 2.5 billion gallons of wastewater produced by the continent's textile industry. And this isn't just China's problem. China produces 65% of the world's clothes and is the world's largest manufacturer and exporter of textiles. But the United States is one of the largest consumer of fashion, particularly fast fashion. And over 88% of Americans choose fast fashion over other alternatives. And on average, people tend to buy one piece of new clothing every single week. So, When we think about the water waste um, that is caused in Asia and distant countries, and we think, wow, that's a really big problem they have. Well, not necessarily. It's a problem we have because um, although I'm not based in the United States, Canada is not that different. And North America is in general, with Canada included, um, consumes the most fashion in the world. So we are just as responsible for the waterway situation all around the world. So from a water saving perspective, there are many aspects to consider. From the raw material side, there are irrigation processes that could either recycle or reuse the water that's being used on crops. And for this to really work, the the crops would need to be grown without herbicides or pesticides, right? So the water isn't contaminated when it's being reused. So that's one thing. And there are many different technologies and many suppliers out there that do do really awesome things in that sense. But there are also water-saving dyeing technologies. And what this does is by using the combination of oxidation and fixation steps, it's possible to shorten the dyeing process and realize substantial resource savings in water, wastewater, material waste, and even energy. Obviously, I'm not a pro in... um, water waste management, Um, but I will leave all of the information in the show notes, I promise. Um, But two organizations that are making strides in this sector are Acromia and Genealogia, or Genealogia. (laughs) I don't know, I can't pronounce it. So the last and final step I'm going to be covering in the production standpoint from what could make a clothing actually sustainable is strategic partnerships. As you can probably gather at this point is all of these steps from water waste management to chemical usage to human rights and providing a living wage is every single one of these steps require 
partnerships. You require being engaged with suppliers, with um, organizations, and people who have the same values as you. And this is a really important step to making a garment actually sustainable. Because let's say you actually find a place that is doing water waste management and the irrigation systems that I was talking about. But if you can't establish a good trust system or you don't know if they actually are just saying that or if they're actually doing it, then how are you going to set up an accountability system to make sure that you're actually reaching those water saving goals, right? So strategic partnerships with um, real suppliers who care about the, the work that they do and the technologies that they're using is extremely important. And there's even people who literally specialize in strategic partnerships because it is such an important factor in growing a business and in um, keeping your business sustainable. Because let's say you do everything right and then someone finds out that one of your suppliers actually wasn't playing by the rules and everyone finds out and who's going to take the blame the supplier no it's going to be you as a brand right so those partnerships are extremely important so my final note in the production side is to check out nudie jeans production guide their sustainability site on their website is absolutely incredible it's so detailed and their production guide is amazing basically if you hover on a product it shows you in which country it was made and photos of the factories and they attach their audits and certifications like got certifications or whatever. So if you're going to check out any link that I have in the show notes, definitely check that one out. It's super interactive. You can really tell they put so much effort into it and they're a really great brand as well. So I will leave that in the show notes. So section number two is materials. So from a preferred fiber perspective, you want to go towards natural fibers, mostly because it has a higher likelihood of regeneration, um, which means it can either be, um, if it's undyed and unfinished and (laughs) so many other things, um, it could either be compostable or recycled or some are even biodegradable. So natural fibers is the way to go. And the natural fibers I'm talking about here are um, organic cotton, non-mulesed merino wool, and I cannot stress enough, non-mulesed. What happens to sheep during the mulesing process is just heartbreaking. And as a vegan, I can't stress how important it is that if you are going to use wool, you use certified non-mules wool. The third one here is linen, organic linen and hemp or organic hemp. And the last one here, um, which I don't like to recommend too much, but it is a natural fiber, is cellulosic fibers, which can be made either of birch wood or different types of wood, which is biodegradable and a natural fiber. But the reason why I don't like recommending it so much is because it contributes to deforestation. And I'm not entirely convinced at how effective the responsible deforestation process is. I've just seen just way too much negative effects of deforestation that it's really hard for me to just blindly think that, you know, responsible deforestation is a thing. Um, But it is a really good fiber from a material and um, fashion standpoint. So I'm battling with the two here. 
And obviously all of these fibers, you wanna make sure that they're made with non-toxic dyes. So other types of um, preferred materials you can use are recycled or reused fabrics. So this could be recycled cotton, recycled polyester, recycled nylon or econil. I've talked about that before in in an episode at some point (laughs) and uh, recycled spandex. So if you do have to mix, which it would be better for the world (laughs) if we didn't have to mix fibers, but you know, that's not necessarily realistically thinking if we're talking about a functionality perspective, sometimes blends need to happen, then try to blend with uh, recycled fabrics and try to stick with the organic cotton, recycled polyester, recycled cotton, recycled polyester, and try to stay as far away from spandex and nylon as you can. And if you do need to go for nylon or spandex, um, then try to go for better alternatives like Econeal or recycled spandex. All right. So that covers it for the preferred materials section. Um, So part three of this episode is the material certifications and standards. So the first one I'm going to talk about is one that we have all probably heard of, which is GOTS. And it's basically a certification for organic cotton. Um, It's one of the best, if not the most reliable or um, trustworthy certifications out there for organic cotton. The second one is the OCS or Organic Content Standard 100. This is also a certification that can be used for organic cotton, but it can also be used for other organic uh, fibers. And the third one here is Blue Sign, which is a certification for the textile industry that focuses on legal compliance in relation to environmental health and safety. Um, basically, the certification combines aspects of consumer safety, water, and air emissions and occupational health with a particular focus on the reduction of harmful substances used at the early stages of production. So that one's a really good one as well. So the fourth one is the Global Recycled Standard, GRS, and it's used primarily focusing on recycled polyester, but it's also the standard for basically anything that is recycled. So this could be recycled nylon or recycled spandex or even recycled cotton can fall under this section as well. And this one is developed by Textile Exchange and it's basically made to trace certification system that ensures that the claims that are made about a product can be officially backed up. The next two here are fair trade and fair trade factories. So fair trade is a very large organization now that basically ensures fair working conditions for workers in the supply chain. There is fair trade factory, which ensures garment workers are being treated fairly and have a living wage, like what we were talking about earlier. And then there's also fair trade from a raw material or like a farm standpoint, which makes sure that the farmers or the mill workers are also being treated fairly. So the last two here is made in green, which ensures that no toxic chemicals or dyes are used in any stage of the manufacturing process. This means from when the yarn is spun, when it becomes a fabric, when it's dyed, when it's uh, sewn, when it's treated, and then when it becomes into your hands as a brand. So there's so much that goes into becoming made in green 
green. Um, these is by Okitex, and um, Okitex also have different standards. One of the most common one is Okitex Standard 100, and that one I believe only checks for um, harmful chemicals in the dyeing process. But if you want to make sure that there is no illegal or harsh chemical usage in all stage of production, then the Made in Green certification is what you want to look for. And this last certification isn't a material certification, um, but it's definitely a certification that I recommend a lot of brands to go towards, and that is B Corp certified. Uh, so B Corp corporations, what they really are, are businesses that meet the highest standard of verified social and environmental performance, public transparency, and legal accountability to balance profit and purpose. And what the B Corp certification does, it doesn't just evaluate the product or service, it also assesses the overall positive impact of the company that stands behind it. Uh, Certified B Corporations achieve a minimum verified score on the B Impact Assessment Tool, which is a rigorous assessment of a company's impact on its workers, customers, community, and environment, which is, uh, by the way, what Nature Spired can help brands achieve. So we work with brands um, to fulfill the impact assessment and to get the highest score possible to become B Corp certified. So that's what basically what B Corp is. And although it's not a material certification, I definitely think it's one of the most important ones out there for a brand level, like one that you can get yourself. All the other certifications are really great um, to look for in suppliers or partnerships that you want to engage with. Um, But this one is one that you can get for your brand specifically. So that concludes this episode, but I really wanted to go into this much detail because to make a garment actually sustainable is more than just saying it's sustainable, which goes back to my previous episode where I was talking about the validity of the word sustainability and how it's used. So if a garment is actually fully 100% sustainable, you would have to meet all of the required ethical and environmental standards and the preferred way of production in every single stage from when the crop is grown to the product being sold and shipped to to your house. So unfortunately, at the moment, there is no garment out there, I don't think. And if I'm wrong, please send it to me. I would love to see that. But from my knowledge, there isn't a garment that is 100% sustainable. And unfortunately, right now, it's like one brand alone can't just stand up and be like, I'm 100% sustainable. Like I said, one of the main parts of production that helps with every single other part is strategic partnerships. We need a collective shift. Like I've said a billion times, I feel like you're so tired of listening to me say we need a collective shift. Um, But we need many brands. We need all brands to um, stand up and say, hey, I want to change my business. You need to be on board for their suppliers. It shouldn't just be a competition on price. It should be a competition of who's making it better and how you can um, improve the environment while you're doing it. So yeah, so that's what concludes this episode. I really hope you found it useful and gained some insight on what could make a garment or what could make clothing actually sustainable from the very beginning to the very end. I didn't even get to talk about shipping and order fulfillment. You know, like that's another 
part <laughs> that could contribute to the sustainability of a garment. But anyways, I'm going to stop rambling here. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And if you have any questions about this episode or want more resources or would like me to amplify on one of the billion topics <laughs> that I talked about today, then definitely shoot me an email. It's chris at naturespired.com. And while you're at it, please follow us on Instagram at naturespired for thought-provoking content that makes you want to take action. Um, I will leave it right here and I will see you guys next week week.